I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. This week, the podcast is about a subject that's really close to my heart, obsessive compulsive disorder, which I have suffered from since I was 12. And this week, my guest who is, how old are you, Ruben? I'm 14. You're 14. You know, similar age to when I first got OCD. And we're part of the same club, right? Yeah. High fives. Okay, so Ruben Fletcher is here with his dad, Sean. Sean, you are better known as a presenter on Country File. You do Country File, don't you? Country File, Good Morning Britain. Good Morning Britain. And you are working with Young Minds. That's right, Young Minds, um, heads together, because they've been really helpful with Ruben and, and with us as a family throughout a, sort of a difficult time, really. So let's, now, so this is, I want this to be as relaxing as possible, so don't, which is difficult when we've all got, like, microphones on <laughs> and we're sitting in a strange studio that has really odd, I can't just say that people listening can understand, it's got, like, slightly sinister foam walls, hasn't it? <laughs> you could sort of bounce off. Maybe we should bounce off them later. <laughs> let's talk about OCD. Now, OCD, I don't know about you, Ruben, but, like, I have heard so many times I hear people going... Oh, like when I was young and I used to, well, until quite recently, I would say people, I I couldn't tell people I had OCD because they, oh yeah, I've got a bit of OCD. And I'm like, no, you don't have a bit, no one has a bit of OCD. Like we all have characteristics that may be seen as like obsessive compulsive, but if they're not taking over your life, it's not OCD. And like, I don't know what, have you heard, what are the kind of most irritating things you've heard? Well, to be honest, I don't really, I hear like some of my friends say it and things like that because I don't really blame them though because that's all they've kind of ever like they haven't actually learned about it but it can be really annoying when they're just like oh I wish I had OCD man I wish I had OCD so then I could uh, sort out this so then I clean my room more often <laughs> so that like they always say oh my OCD this is too much for my OCD I have to clean this like oh I'm just like you don't wish you had OCD mate please yeah because it's horrible isn't it yeah it's like so debilitating. I describe it as like your brain not being able to kind of register what your eye can see, be it that like the oven is off or the door is shut, intrusive thoughts and you think that they define you. And then it's like a really horrible, complex illness, which people just don't have a handle on. And they think it's just kind of celebrities rearranging Coke cans. And also I get a lot of people going, oh my God, I'm so OCD. You should see my sock drawer. I'm like, why is it always the sock drawer? Yeah. And like, I don't have a sock drawer. Everything's just always on the floor. 
For you, Sean, what was it like? Because obviously it's really great to have you both in here. I think it's really important to talk about what it's like to be a parent of a a child because most people, if you're going to get a mental illness, it'll happen when you're in your teens and you know your adolescence can you sort of talk a bit about what yeah. happened and how you if it was almost well yeah it's just interesting just seeing you two together talking because i remember um actually i remember the first time he was when he was diagnosed about a year ago the next morning i went into work good morning britain you happened to be on the show talking about ocd <laughs> and i grabbed you straight after yeah. you came off set and um i said i think my son's got ocd I think you gave me a hug. This, that's your way, isn't it? <laughs> I like giving <laughs> I out thought, hugs. This is what OCD is. It's great. No, but you, <laughs> you gave me a hug and you sort of asked a bit about Ruben. Mm. And then I, we met up for breakfast, didn't we? And, I, and what I noticed then... It was a delicious then, breakfast. It was a really nice breakfast. <clears throat> what I remembered then, about then and now, is that Ruben sort of looks at you as if to say, well, you get it. And he talks mm. to you because you get it. And there have been times as a parent where... You know, we've learned an awful lot. I mean, I was probably one of those people who used to say, yeah, I've got OCD or you've got OCD. Or, mm. And actually then I learned very quickly that OCD is something very different. And it was it's hard. I mean, we see it as a sort of bully that has bullied our son mm. and taken away or stopped him displaying all his talents. But it's then started to bully the whole family and we end up, you know, really struggling, changing our plans, arguing. Mm. And at times it's been... It's been, you know, hasn't it? It's been really, really yeah, difficult for us Yeah, it's been really all. tough. I like to say, I, I used to be one of the, like, I used to be guilty of being one of those people who took, like, joked about, oh, I've got OCD or you've mm. got, like, before I knew what it was, I used to always joke about it. And actually, like, the people who do joke about it, it's not their fault. That It's just that no one talks about OCD. No one talks about what it really is and what the bigger picture is and other things mm. as well. No one actually talks about that. But that's why it's really awesome that you're sitting here now having this conversation and it's really brave of you, actually, Reuben. You're like, let's have a high five again. Another <laughs> high five for how cool you are because it is a really brave thing to do because it isn't easy to talk about this illness that, as you said, it bullies you and it lies to you and it and it tells you that you're all these things which you're just not and it makes you worry that you might be the worst person in the world. Um, how would you describe how yours first started or do you want me to talk about mine first? I'm happy to talk about mine. Yeah, well, it kind of started like you don't really know you just think that, like I thought I was going crazy and I thought I was just really odd and I thought if I didn't do these things, like these compulsions, then I would be a terrible person. And for so long, I felt so guilty because I didn't really tell anyone about my worries. And then I had been like kind of telling my mum, my dad, every like now and then, just a tiny bit. And then one night, I told them that I was really worried that I was gonna do something really bad and that I was a terrible person that I had done something really bad and that you just blanked it out and you didn't and I, yeah and I let it all out and I cried my parents cried and it, it was one of the best days of my life with OCD because it was kind of, it was bad because it was the start of me having OCD but it was good because it felt like I knew that I wasn't this all the things I've been telling mm myself that I was when you tell someone all the things when you like actually let it out you do in your head go that is <laughs> you, yeah, know, it's, you know yeah. but, it is, but it's like that reassurance seeking when I try to explain it to people it's like 
um, we all have like millions of thoughts a day, don't we? And I don't know, like sometimes I'll be standing on the tube and I'll be like, what if I pushed this man under the central line or someone hands me their baby and I'm like, what if I dropped it? But you know, like most people rationally know they're not going to do that. But the person with OCD can be like, oh my God, I've thought that. That makes me the terrible person. What if I was going to do that? And like we all can have quite like weird thoughts. Do you know what I mean? I saw something recently about a man who'd gone on this morning and he he has OCD and he'd spoken about how his OCD made him think he was really worried he was going to hurt his wife he was he got, became paranoid you know and he'd walk around with handcuffs so he couldn't no he obviously wasn't but then I read in the newspaper and it was like OCD made me want to murder my wife and I'm like no quite the opposite yeah. you basically had this fear that you could do that did he and say that himself no he didn't but it was like misquoted and I'm like that's also the worst thing you can say to someone with OCD so but like for me I used to think that like I remember when I was like 17 I thought that I'd like murdered someone and blanked it out and like out in shock and I used to like read the paper to check if anyone in my area had you know it's patently ridiculous now I look at it but then when I was like 34 and after I had my daughter I worried that I might have done something terrible to her and blanked that out now as I'm well right now and that's patently ridiculous but there's quite often like last week I had those thoughts and it's not that we are those things it's that we are kind of the opposite do you know what I mean and it takes a long time. It's really hard to deal with. And then, of course, you have the OCD. Like, the first time I got OCD, it was about I was worried that I I was contaminated with some illness. You know, it could have been AIDS. It could have been Ebola. And it's, it does, it'll, it'll go anywhere. Any possibility, it will kind of, that bully, you're quite right, Sean, as you described it, it will kind of find a way. It's, al- it's it? almost, it feels like sometimes we're all arguing and we're all struggling because, um, you know, Ruben is having a bad OCD day and you almost see the bully sitting on the mantelpiece laughing you know the mm-hmm. OCD sitting there going haha got you all I've roped you all into this mm-hmm. there was a period where we were uh, you know on quite a long waiting list to get some treatment the, the right level of treatment and you know we had six months to wait and I just thought, mm-hmm. I don't know how I don't know how we're going to get through this I have no idea because every single day we were you know just really really struggling and every single day for you was it like every morning you'd wake up and be like oh my god yeah like Mm. it took me like an hour to get changed Mm -hmm. just to like brush my teeth have breakfast because I kept on getting stuck to compulsions yeah because I was worried that you hadn't done them right yeah or I hadn't or I don't know like I wasn't getting changed in the right way it all sounds stupid but Mm. in your head it's so precise and so Mm. Like most dads and sons, we we talk about football. We're Tottenham fans, and Whoa. we go to we go to Tottenham you're games. You're not Arsenal, are you? I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, this interview is over. Storm out. <laughs> I can't believe it. Didn't no, tell I us mean, that what before. this shows us is that OCD affects all kinds of people, both Arsenal and yeah. Tottenham sports. Yeah. So so we go to games, and we also do music together, mm-hmm. and um, it's really affected both those things. So we the year ago, um, around about now, actually, it was March or April, wasn't it? We went to. Uh, watch Spurs play at Liverpool and this was supposed to be Spurs march to the title which failed in the end but we drove up to Anfield it was a long day wasn't it driving back yeah. up and down sounds very, it sounds very I mean I don't mean to like take, I don't mean to use this word colloquially but it sounds terribly depressing <laughs> well it, it, we drew so it was a bit okay. down but, but um, it was your birthday present wasn't it and yeah. you just seemed really really thoughtful and pensive on the way up and then you looked like you were in despair on the way down uh, on our way back to London and um I couldn't quite work out what it was, and I remember a, a song came on, quite a moving song by Francis, um, 
which ties in with our music, our love of music. Francis and the Lights. No, not Francis and the Lights, although we both like Francis and the Lights. Francis, um, just, you know, a solo woman songwriter. (laughs) It was a really moving song and you were crying and I was driving down the motorway and I was crying. What's the song called? Uh, Don't Worry About Me. I honestly listened to it. It It still makes me cry. Yeah. Yeah, It was really sad because I just, I couldn't, like, hug my parents. I couldn't look at them. So I couldn't look at my mum. I couldn't hug my mum and everyone. it was just making everyone really upset. Um, what did you think? Sorry, I find it's like she, listening to you. It's like literally, it's like me when I was your age. Like I couldn't touch my family because I thought I'd like infect them with some disease or something. Well, what were you worried was going to happen? I was just worried that something bad would happen. It's something so complicating in your head that you kind of piece together. Mm. So, so for, for mum, she found it really difficult, yeah. didn't she? Because you could, know, imagine just, she's your beautiful she, son. Yeah, she was. She's she loves hugs. She loves kisses. <laughs> yeah, she's the like the type of mum who'll just like she's gonna be like ruffling your yeah. hair when you're like thirty. You know. Yeah, that. yeah. He's never like, leaving home. He's no. Yeah, no. She says that to me all the time. <laughs> she's the type of person. If she's gonna drop you off on a trip, then you tell her not to embarrass you. She'll like kiss you and in front of all your friends <laughs> it's just yeah and so it was really it was quite upsetting for both of us because I wanted to hug her but part of me didn't want to because I was so scared of what was gonna I, I felt like intrusive thoughts yeah, yeah and looking back it was kind of like I was brainwashed mm-hmm. like I brainwashed myself into having these such strong beliefs that something was gonna happen you didn't brainwash yourself is that a bully yeah do you give it a name we used to call it what do you call it Derek. Derek. Sorry to all the Derek's out there. Sorry. It's a lovely it's name, because though. I think it's because of EastEnders. There was a guy called Derek in it. And, he was a bad man, was he? And he wasn't a very nice man. Yeah. But, um, you know, imagine if your, your son or daughter's being bullied in school. You pick up the phone and you call the school. Or, or if, you know, if you're a bit fiery and you're at the school gates, you might go and talk to the parent and tell them. And we just couldn't do any of that. But he was basically being... Psychologically bullied by bullied someone living and, there and in his own just head. Just heartbreaking. Mm. I mean, it's just so difficult. I mean, so from that time when we cried in the car all the way back down from Liverpool, and that's a heck of a long way. I mean, for hours we were just <laughs> crying um, to getting treatment at CAMS, but we, we realised that his OCD was really intense. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, the times when he, he couldn't do really basic things, like, I mean, now we, there are difficulties with cleaning teeth. I mean, there are mm-hmm. times when you weren't eating. But they were all compulsions and they were telling you not to do things that are really important in your life to operate. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't been in school since October mm-hmm. because to start with, he couldn't write. Um, yeah. So things like that. Because when you, you were start trying to write, you were, yeah. 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 So, so it we, out, so ripping we pages to... and things like that. And it's just, it's really, like when I went to school, he just used to cry, like when all the people went out the class, I just couldn't stand up from my chair. And so I remember once I just sat there and started crying and like there was a teacher there and she was just felt really sorry for me and just really wanted to, I really wanted to be able to learn. Obviously I don't like school because no one really likes school, but <laughs> I, I would really love learning and I love learning interesting things and, you know, learning languages, Spanish, you know, all these things. And it was really sad because I was so eager to learn. I really wanted to learn like everyone else. But I couldn't, and it, I just felt so left out. But his friends, uh, I mean, he's got a group of friends who come around, even though he's not at school now, they come around a lot, they have sleepovers. And I would say those boys have probably yeah. dealt with the OCD Incredible. better than any adult. Really? They are just yeah. great. They are. Yeah. 
you know, seriously, good oh, yeah, friends to you. I have the best you. friends. When we first spoke and you were like, is this going to be awful? I'm like, no, he won't because you've got this. Sorry, I don't mean to be emotional because I wanted to keep this podcast as upbeat as possible, but sorry. it's really difficult when it's... I do cry quite a lot. Ask no, it's event, fine. So. No, it's fine. I've got some like loads of mascara on as well. Sorry. But um, <coughs> you don't have... I mean, maybe you do have to wear mascara on telly. No, no, I don't wear mascara. <laughs> Not on telly. No, I don't wear mascara at all. Can I just put that out there? Uh, when I was, you know, like, when I spoke to you, I was like, you've got this because you're, like, trying to get help and you're, I know that road for you, I know, was not, like, as straightforward as it should have been, but to have two parents that really, you know, that understood, even though people do misunderstand what OCD is, there is a lot more awareness now of what it is. I kind of think that it's really awful for you at the moment and really hard and you're having, you know, we'll talk a bit about your treatment and what you're doing, but the point is you're doing it. And so I really do think you've got this and that you'll be okay because it isn't going to be something that dominates your life because you're getting a kind of head on it now. And I'm not saying that you're lucky or anything like that because I don't think you're lucky at all because I know how effing awful it is sorry I shouldn't swear this is just me kind of saying so that people listening understand how debilitating and disabling it is as an illness mm, right yeah. is that like you know it's like any other illness if you get treatment for it when you first have the symptoms like diabetes for example you're going to handle over it you can probably live quite a healthy life do you know what I mean whereas if you leave it <laughs> and you just carry you know you'll probably end up having a limb amputated and the same goes with OCD and for me it was like it led to you know all sorts of things like I took a lot of drugs in my 20s and lots of stuff that was all related and I kind of feel oh if my mum and dad had had that you know had been able to kind of know what it was and as it was they no one no one spoke I mean they didn't speak at all about mental illness and that I mean I'm quite young as you can see Ruben it wasn't that long ago it was quite long ago but what I'm saying is, is what's really great and what's really important and why I'm really like proud of you I mean I don't know you that well but why I'm really proud of you for doing this podcast is that if it encourages any other kid listening right now to go and speak to their parents or call up the Young Minds or the Mix or something like that or Mind it's just so awesome don't you think? Because yeah, I, I know had I been like about a year ago two years ago had I been sitting listening to this I'd I'd love it because it would just feel like you're not going crazy. You're, not. you're actually just really normal. Once you get handle of it, then life's going to be so cool. Like, yeah. I, I can't wait, honestly. Oh, so you went to the doctor and you went on a CAMS. CAMS is the, can you, what does it stand for? So Child uh, and Adolescent Mental Health Services. Mm -hmm. That's your first port of call, really, mm -hmm. if you, you have any um, mental health issues as a child. And then from there, we were referred to um, the National OCD Centre at the Maudsley, mm -hmm. which is in South London. And we went for a, an assessment and it was the first time we really thought they could help. And they said, um, we've seen people like you before, you will get better, you will be fine. And it was one of the most positive things we'd heard, followed by one of the most upsetting things we'd heard, which is, but there's a six month waiting list. And at this point, our family was on its knees. I mean, we were really struggling. I mean, that was a low point for you as well, wasn't it, Ruben? We all, mm -hmm. I think we all probably cried. In what way? It was just because you didn't We just know. couldn't yeah. go on for six months like that. There was no well, way we would last yeah. as a family. I mean, it was... He, he wasn't in school, so I, I, was, I was on Good Morning Britain in the morning, getting day. up at four in the morning, mm. then coming back and trying to homeschool him. So I'd rush back. I missed the program meeting, which don't tell the boss, although I'm sure he knows I wasn't there, <laughs> but I'd be rushing back, I'd be at home. 
and then I get, re- get Ruben Morgan after. as well. I mean, I'm so sorry, Sean. This was, that, was I mean, a that, stressful that time. That must have been. <laughs> yeah, there are many parents out there who are in exactly the same position. Mm. They're having to look after a child, you know, whether it's OCD or, or any other mm. mental health issue, and hold down jobs to pay the bills. And uh, in the same way that Ruben talking now mm. is going to help children who will think I've got the same or I I feel the same and I need to mm. talk to someone. I'd like to say to the parents, there are, there are yeah. thousands of parents out there who are facing this parental stigma because you worry about your child, that your child will be picked on or judged. You certainly worry that as a parent you will be judged, that you're, you've probably gone out, you've worked too much or you haven't been mm. there for your child or you've pushed them too much. We were scared stiff of being judged. We tried to hide it, but actually deep down that's what we were thinking. And actually, strangely enough, um, we told friends and family, close friends and family, and then I hadn't really told anyone and we were, had this massive burden on our shoulders and I went to the Heads Together London Marathon launch mm. and I knew it was going to be quite a big thing because the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were there with Prince Harry and we were whisked away into a room afterwards, I was with a few other people and I was chatting with Sean Williams who's on Channel 5 because um, I know her from the BBC. And she also and has she, done the marathon. Uh, of course she has as well. Yeah. And, um, and so I thought she was quite rude because you know when someone looks over your shoulder and they're not they're actually not talking to you they're looking for the next person to talk to she seemed to be doing that quite a lot then I she sort of looked over my I looked over my shoulder she looked over my shoulder and Prince William was there and he said hello Sean why are you running the London Marathon and I said my son has OCD and literally that was the first time I told anybody out of that sort mm. of close-knit friends just because I was surprised and I was looking for something to say she just could see Prince William she could on see the, Prince behind William behind, behind me yeah. and, um, and I turned around yeah she's not rude she's, she's actually lovely, lovely she's <laughs> but I thought she was for a split second and then, and then I realised and so I, I told I told Prince William he was just this sympathetic ear and he just listened to me and, and talked to me it was like two dads chatting about mm. the challenges of being dads and from, from then on, I realised that the best thing to do is to talk about it. And I think parents who are holding it in, mm. they're earlier on in that journey that I'm on. But talking about it is the best thing. Mm. Talking about your children. There are thousands of us out there, but we're all keeping it to ourselves because it's a stigma. After you were told there was a six-month waiting list, what did you do then? I mean, this is this is really important to talk about as well, because if Reuben had broken his arm... It would have been an absolute national outcry. The NHS said, no, you've got to wait six months to get a cast put on it or have it reset or whatever. And yet we allow this to happen because there is no funding, is there really? If a child or anyone with a mental health illness plucks up the courage to seek medical help, we shouldn't be turning them away for that length of time. When we were told that we had six months to wait... Well, we travelled from the other side of London, but we heard that the the family before us had come down from Newcastle and they'd had exactly the same news. They were probably told, we can treat your son or daughter, it's going to be fine, but you have to wait six months. And then they had a long journey back to Newcastle and they were waiting for six months. Mm. I mean, there's something wrong, isn't there, when we're Mm. treating mental health patients, people who are seriously ill Mm -hmm. like that. Mm. So you were told that and then you got another referral to hospital? Because his OCD was particularly bad, so not in school not really able to do anything but you had to kick up a fuss if crying your eyes out for half an hour as a family is kicking up a fuss I mean that's what we did we just cried and I don't know whether they could see that it it was particularly bad I I don't know how we would have coped for six months you were desperate we we started to wait two or three months but then he was referred to be an inpatient in the hospital and so he can have intensive treatment there I just felt like it's kind of all this time that I'm waiting for the treatment because all all that time I'm not going to school I'm not doing much stuff and that is literally 
a lot of my like fine I've got a lot to live I know but that's <laughs> a lot of a year wasted how like how long was I not going to school and how long was I just at home I know you, you tried to do your best take me out to play football and things but it wasn't easy and like kind of you saying I'm not a very good teacher no <laughs> well yeah. Yeah. not the best <laughs> year eight you missed quite a bit of the summer term and then started year nine and things seemed to be okay and then you had some exams and you seemed to cope with the exams okay, just about. And then soon after that, the OCD just took over again. I don't mm. know what it was that triggered it. And you haven't been in school since then. So yeah. you'll miss the best part of maybe all of the rest of year nine. But it'll be okay because I tell you what, it's much better to lose a year of school than to lose 15 years of your life to OCD. And as you said, school kind of sucks, right? I mean, I can't imagine being in a hospital is like that much better. But what is it like being in there, is it? Um... You you mean in the hospital? Yeah, but you like do you feel positive because you know it's making? When I went, I was just so ready to get better. I was so tired of everything that was going on. I was just so like, I want to get better now. I want to. I was really positive about it, and I still am. And I think I've been seeing quite a bit of improvement. But I know I still know there's a long way to go. It's not like you go there, it's magic, and then you're fine because that's what I thought it would be like at first I thought they would I don't know or the medication you thought yeah I thought the medication would would just take thoughts away but Mm. it's actually more just learning and I know this may sound scary for people listening to this who think they have OCD or do but it's more just learning to be with the thoughts and just let them be there and Mm. their thoughts that everyone have you just need to not respond to them and just Mm. let them be what they are yeah so this is really key to anyone listening because what we do us in the OCD club is we tend to seek reassurance don't we Mm -hmm. I think you can become quite sneaky in the way that you try one tries to get the reassurance I mean I know I did yeah but seeking reassurance is like the worst thing that you can do and providing the reassurance which may seem instinctively like the best thing to do if you're a parent or a husband or a wife or a you know a friend is actually the worst thing that you can do isn't it but it's hard, you know, mm. he's seeking reassurance and he's your son and you, you want to you wanna say, well done, that was really good. So but then you realise you're saying that quite a lot. Mm. Um, remember, do you remember that time when I woke up at like, at like I, didn't, I went to bed, you put me to bed at like 10.30 and then I woke up at like, well, I didn't sleep until like 12 and then I went into your room and asked you a question that had been on my mind for about an hour and a half because mm. I was so worried that like before going to before going to sleep I had to kind of like solve it in my head I had Mm. to I was so worried so worried I needed reassurance but every time you gave me reassurance that meant that the next night I would do it again and again and again it's a hungry beast isn't it Mm. yeah and things like when he gets stuck which is the one of the big problems now so he'll sort of freeze in a chair and you'll say well come on we're going out and ideally he has to break that and get up and walk out Mm. himself but we found we were just doing everything for him and we were getting mm. dressed, we were brushing his teeth and actually that's not what you should be doing. You can't exist as a family and do anything. No. So it's this balance and it, I mean, we've learned the hard way and we're still muddling our way through it but mm. you know, we, we know a bit more about OCD than we did a year ago. But it's so brilliant that you have that awareness now, Ruben, honestly. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. because like you will be I mean you've got this you've got this boy it's I mean it's not wonderful obviously it really sucks OCD but I think what you're doing is really brave and really inspiring and I think that you will have helped a lot of people listening to this and I hope I really hope that lots of people listen to this not just so that people that are educated more about OCD but anyone who's suffering from it and doesn't even know that what they're going through is OCD can like recognize it and you're really awesome I just know that and you're pretty lucky to have a cool dad like him oh, and a cool mum your mum's even though she may embarrass you so what would your advice Ruben be to any young person listening right now who it doesn't maybe it doesn't have to be OCD it could be any kind of problem they might have an eating disorder they might just be very depressed or very anxious about exams or you know it's there's a whole load of things out there that are troubling what would your advice be because also I think parents have a habit of thinking oh they're a teenager you know this is yeah, normal yeah. they're just having that you know they're being chemical hormonal. imbalance yeah or... and actually what would your advice be if someone feels this is perhaps more than a hormonal Medal imbalance and it doesn't really matter if it is or not if you're feeling that that's all that matters what would you say to someone i would say just honestly i, I you may think oh i've heard this before but honestly the best thing to do is just to tell your parents and maybe if you don't have parents who would support you with that then phone some child line or just anything that can really help and it, it will make a world's difference because for people maybe listening who think they may have OCD I thought I was going crazy for so long and that was the worst thing I could have ever done was keep it to myself once I like told someone I got the help although I'm still going through treatment I'm improving I'm not so bad as I was before and with any other um, mental health issue there's always a way to fix it and help you there's always something if you just if you just tell someone like a guardian or just anyone and a teacher like someone you trust and someone you love and you know is gonna be able to help you and it may sound just really annoying and stupid but it actually makes a world's difference that's the message i suppose with heads together Mm. uh, and all the the charities that are uh, with heads together that actually because of the stigma you end up suffering alone mm. and it's the same with parents you you keep it to yourself and mm. you suffer alone but if you actually talk about it you realize that you're actually this huge community of people <laughs> who are struggling with things and mm. it's problem shared is a problem halved the burden's mm-hmm. lifted off your shoulder that's exactly what we felt we've still got mm. a long way to go but we feel like sharing it has been and talking about it has been such a such a release this has been a release on a very selfish level for me it's one of the things i'll say about like talking about my OCD has been like the amount of people that have come up to me and said oh my god I have that too and people that look like me I mean I'm not saying that you look like me because <laughs> you're 14 and I'm 36 and I thought the thoughts I had were just monstrous you know and I thought they made me a monster and I'm not a monster and you're not a monster we're just people that happen to have a glitch in our brains basically do you know what mm, I mean yeah and the reason that we feel monstrous and we feel we're the worst person in the world is because the way that OCD and other mental illnesses work is that they lie to you and they bully you and they tell you that you're alone and they tell you it's a bit like an abuser don't tell anyone don't tell anyone they won't understand you you know you're too frightened to kind of let it all out but there are you know in this room alone there's the two of us who understand do you know what I mean and if you think about Sean you were saying about how we ended up like meeting and becoming friends I hope you don't mind me calling you a friend now but like it was just randomly that I happened to be talking about OCD on your show and you the day before and so that just shows you we are everywhere we're absolutely everywhere 
I mean, one thing when Ruben's having difficult times, one thing we often say is, well, look at Bryony. She's doing really well. <laughs> what you don't see is me crying at home sometimes. <laughs> Basically, the last three weeks have been pretty nasty in my head. But like today, I'm suddenly feeling, you know, a lot better. And I think the thing to remember is that, yes, there will be days where it's really bad, but they won't, not every day it will be that way, you know, and it's kind of going, well, that's part of my brain, but here are the things I can do to help me and recognizing the patterns and the stress. And you were talking about, you know, after your exams, you got stressed. But I think sometimes it's like you get through stuff with adrenaline and you're like, I'm stressed out. I'm and afterwards, your body goes, whoa, <laughs> what have you just done to me? But, you know, anytime you want to talk, your dad's got my number. <laughs> and that I'd say that to anyone listening now. I, I'm not going to give you my number out on the podcast because that would be weird. <laughs> but I will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, seven. No. Thank you guys for coming in and talking and being awesome. And, you know, you're, when are you 15? Oh, I just turned 14. Just turned 14. Well, a month ago. I think you're going to become a poster boy for OCD. And I say that in a good way. Like, all the girls will love you for being so honest and open and sharing your stuff. So thank you, Ruben. And thank you, Sean. Thanks for having us. And you've got this. If you've been affected by anything we've talked about in our podcast today, a comprehensive list of mental health services is available on our website, which is www.com telegraph.co.uk forward slash madworld. If you want help right now, the following organisations offer free and confidential support over the phone. The Samaritans can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116-123. Or you can contact the mental health charity Mind for advice on a range of mental health issues. Their phone number is 0300-123-3393. That's 03001233393. And they're accessible 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Monday to Friday, excluding bank holidays. Finally, there's Young Minds, who provide support if you're a parent or a carer worried about a child's welfare. They're on 0808 802 5544. That's 0808 802 5544. And remember this you are not alone. 